Welcome to the St Emelins podcast. I'm Ian Beardsall. And I'm Natalie May. And thank you for joining us at the end of day one of the fantastic London Trauma Conference 2015. Just like last year, we hope to give you some of the highlights from the day, some of the key learning points, so that you can have a flavour of what's going on in here in London, and perhaps even think about getting on a train to join us for tomorrow, Thursday, or even the cardiac arrest symposium on Friday. It's been a full-on day talking trauma. There's been some diverse topics discussed, and we'll just have a quick whiz through some of them. So, Natalie, Tim Coates started us off, Professor of Emergency Medicine, well-known as the lead researcher on Crash 2, talking about trauma units. Yeah, so Tim works in Leicester, which is a trauma unit rather than a major trauma centre, and he was talking about some of the challenges about defining the performance of trauma units. Uh, Particularly in his talk, he emphasised the fact that we've seen a real change in the nature of major trauma over the last 10 to 20 years. We're not seeing those young motor vehicle collision victims now. We're seeing the elderly population. We're seeing falls under two metres as the primary mechanism of injury that's causing those ISS over 15 type injuries. And about a third of those are over 80 and they're not necessarily being transferred onto major trauma centres and therefore that's having impacts on how we can look at trauma care in the UK as a whole. This was one of the key themes of the day was the changing face of the demographics of trauma in the UK. So it's no longer the young person crashing his motorbike, it's the older patient and actually how trauma care will have to evolve to look after older patients over the next few years and actually perhaps even a new specialty emerging of the Jerry traumatologist. That's a word I've just made up by the way so if you want to use it feel free. Prof Coates, great start today. Set us all off. What was the next thing to really catch your eye at? There was a great talk by a Norwegian speaker whose name I'm going to get completely wrong. I think it's Ketel Sorid. So sorry if you're listening. But he did a fantastic talk about iatrogenic harms in trauma. He really emphasised the kind of human aspects of error, the system aspects of error, and drew our attention to the fact that we really don't know a great deal about this. We know about fatal outcomes as a result of iatrogenic harm. But we don't know about non-fatal outcomes. And he took us through the highly complex environments of the emergency department, the intensive care unit, the operating theatre, where these problems are occurring, and looked at some of the avoidable harm and some of the errors relating particularly to delays in care and the fact that those errors don't respect seniority or experience among clinicians and possibly some ways that we can look at improving those aspects of our care to give better trauma care to all of our patients. More and more it strikes me that it's not knowing what to do, it's being able to get what you need to do done. And it's those human factors, it's a slightly soft topic and very trendy, but it really does matter to be able to make sure that you get the best from your team, the best from all your clinicians working together to look after the trauma patient. And those skills can also be translated into all our critically ill patients as well, not just in trauma. Next up was Matt Thomas, and we have a special podcast that we'll release in the next couple of weeks from him about trauma research. Nat, any real key messages from that without spoiling the podcast to come? Matt took us through a number of papers that have been published, particularly in the last year, that are relevant to trauma care. And and I guess the, the key things that he drew attention to were the really relatively simple, intuitive stuff. So the idea of looking after our, ourselves actually was one of the big messages that came out. So he emphasised the trauma risk management programme that's come out of the military that's looking at promoting organisational well-being. And that's really something that I personally haven't thought about a great deal. I know that in Bristol, they're starting to adopt that in their HEM service. And I I certainly think that's something that we need to think about for future care of ourselves as well as for our patients. That was just the first session and so you can already tell there's an awful lot of information to gather from today. After a coffee break 
the excellent Mark Wilson talking about early neurological imaging. And we had then a whole real session centering on the neurosurgical. So not just head injury, but spinal cord regeneration, more about alcohol and head injuries, covering the whole topic, really. Just some simple messages, but also some startling statistics. The number of patients in whom alcohol is a factor from head injury. It may sound simple, but actually differentiating between the drunk patient and the patient with a head injury and the patient who's drunk with a head injury is actually really difficult. And we've got a really international flavour. There's a great Scandinavian presence here at the London Trauma Conference. And some of the Finnish data was really a, a way of getting some insight into what happens outside the UK. Back after lunch and we had as I'd like to call a friend of St. Emeline's, Karim Brohi, talking about the early immune response to trauma. This was getting away from the people side, getting down to a cellular level of what's happening in patients after trauma. What Karim did here was look at the genomic storm after a traumatic event occurs. I found this talk quite difficult. We're going to try and grab Karim to get a bit more detail. What he was seeming to say was that the body's response to trauma is actually harmful, and that can cause major multi-organ failure. And there may be ways that if we get in early enough, we can modulate that response. And that response itself might actually be genetic. So you might be more likely to get it depending on your genes. Really complex ideas, but it may well be the thing that we're going to be doing in the next five or 10 years to modulate what's happening to our traumatic injured patients. A highlight of the day next, Nat, I'm sure one you enjoyed, Jeff Upperman, a paediatric surgeon from the US talking about penetrating trauma. So he gave us a really entertaining talk about the gun-related injuries in the US uh, with some really startling statistics, particularly on mass casualty events related to gun trauma, uh, telling us that there's 133 mass casualty shootings in the States for every one that occurs in the UK, which just kind of gives you some idea of the scale of shooting-related injuries that the US is dealing with. Well, it is political, and I'm sure any listeners in the US will be familiar with the debate that's going on at the moment. 355 mass shootings in the US this year alone. The figures were just staggering. 100 children shot and killed this year alone in the US. It wasn't just Jeff Upperman talking about it. Susan Brundage covered it in her lecture later on. Really, it was just a call to arms, ironically, that we should be trying to do something. What we can do in the UK, I'm not sure, but something has to change. Otherwise, this will just get worse. They always say that we're 10 years behind the US. I dread to think what's going to be happening in the UK if it's true for gun laws and gun control. It really is a frightening, frightening time. A couple more talks before the end of the day. We had another international speaker from Israel. Ishay Ostfeld, who's a cardiothoracic surgeon, came and gave us their perspective on mass casualty events. So just to put a little bit of that in context, they have a system whereby they've got relatively large number of major trauma centres which are actually quite easy to access from the kinds of places that have these mass casualty events and the majority of their mass casualty events are suicide bombing related they said it was 53% of their mass casualty events in Israel and he took us through their approaches to triage for example and they do this no field triage where they have patients with non-compressible hemorrhage who are brought to the emergency department for rapid surgical intervention and on the way they do this treat and transfer simultaneously they control compressible hemorrhage they secure the airway and they address tension pneumothorax and that's by necessity really because he showed some fascinating videos of what it's like immediately after these events on the scene and the idea that you could do some sort of field triage is really way out there it's just not feasible so they're just transferring patients straight out 
dividing them by centres and then dealing with them when they get there. So it was a really interesting talk. It was. It was really highlighting the idea that scoop and run was the way that they were going with, it, with pre-hospital care in Israel. But this is a different society. This is where patients will actually self-load themselves onto the back of an ambulance and an ambulance will be carrying multiple casualties after one of these events. This isn't a single casualty being transferred by a skilled paramedic pre-hospital team. They might be dealing with five, maybe ten patients in the back of the same vehicle. They only had chance to do the very basics for life-saving treatment on the route to hospital. But then the times were amazing. They would get patients into theatre in under an hour and a half. And their survivals were really impressive too. Just something to think about, especially for those of us who do pre-hospital care. The idea that actually sometimes it's just best to get that patient to the right hospital as fast as you can. We had another talk about the science of trauma then from Mark Turner, a professor from Scotland, about the trauma transfusion pack. Some startling physiology, which I did struggle to follow a little bit. But in essence, the idea that there may one day be a synthetic or at least synthetically produced blood product that we can use in trauma patients. All really exciting, but maybe at least a decade away. And the final talk, Natalie, was from Susan Brundage, as mentioned before, about some of the trauma myths, addressing what a myth is and how many of these myths we actually believe and continue to use in our emergency departments. Susan Brundage challenged particularly the, the idea of the golden hour, which comes from the sort of 60s and 70s, and that really exists as a phenomenon to drive uh, the development of trauma systems. But now we have those systems in place it might be that actually looking at the platinum five minutes is more relevant in terms of making interventions count for our patients. Uh, she also did some challenge of the idea of technology being the new big thing in trauma, ECMO, Reboa, whichever you decide to choose. And again, saying, actually, it's one of many tools that we can use and it has to be in conjunction with a functioning trauma system. We still have questions about who, about where, about when we should use these particular modalities. And that's likely to be something that we develop more of an idea of over the next few years. It was a fascinating day. I think for me, there were three major things to take home from it. The first was that our trauma patients are changing. It's not just young people. It's not personal and personal violence in the UK. This is the older population and we need to be interested in the older patient and we need to change the methods we look after them. It's about rehabilitation, managing medical comorbidities. It's a complex environment, but we need to get in there. I think the second thing I took away from, I'm rather glad that I don't live in the US. They are struggling with their gun control. They're struggling to keep this epidemic of mass shootings under control. And really, it's just a slightly frightening time. And I can only wish the people in power and those who are campaigning luck. And then there's the third thing, which was that there's these cellular strategies looking at trauma, trying to find ways in which we can look at the very microscopic level to the body's response to trauma. And so maybe there will be times in the next 10 years where we'll see these new technologies, these new treatments coming to the fore, and we'll be giving these perhaps medications in the emergency department. As we've said before, we'll be back again tomorrow with a second roundup for the day. It will even include our very own Natalie May and Simon Carley, having done some talks at the London Trauma Conference. We'll be bringing out some podcasts as we did last year, which we hope you'll find useful. And of course, there's an accompanying blog post. We're going to head off to the drinks reception now. So that's it from us for today. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. We'll be bringing you more from the London Trauma Conference tomorrow. Take care. Thanks for listening. 